We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Buy that lady a beer. Yeah, make it a Bud Light. You'll be doing her a favor. You'll be doing Anheuser-Busch a Bush a favor, too, because Anheuser-Busch, that would be good. They could change it to that. Anheuser-Busch, they could they'd be doing them a favor because millions of people stopped buying Bud, as you know, because of their marketing director. Beer sales may be down, but at least she has this. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, but before we get to our lucky winner, let's bring in a guy who I think would have won hands down last week, but we had no show. We didn't have a show on Friday. Uh, it's Mr. Everything, Dylan Mulvaney, and he's posing uh, with his Bud Light cans with his face on them. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So, I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money, too. Love ya! Cheers! Uh, boy. Go team! Whatever team you love, I love, too. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. We lo- yeah, okay, goodbye. They, love ya. Okay. Yeah, good. Break a Get out. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there, Dylan. It just it just doesn't it just doesn't get any more puke worthy than that what you just heard just it just doesn't uh, this anyway he's not our jerk he didn't win he missed out because we didn't do a show last week but of course you do know that there was a gigantic uh, backlash and a gigantic drop in sales uh, and the price of the Anheuser Busch stock because of that clown it's almost like people are sick of guys dressed up as as teenage girls and acting like teenage girls trying to sell them products, which brings us to Alyssa Heinerscheid. She's the marketing director at Anheuser. At least she was. She should have been fired about 10 seconds after that video showed up, but she's apparently still the marketing director, and she came up with this defense for foisting Dylan on beer-loving men everywhere. I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light, and it was this brand is in decline been in decline for a really long time and if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand there will be no future for Bud Light so I had this super clear mandate it's like we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand and my what I brought to that was a belief in okay what is what what does evolve and elevate mean it means inclusivity it means shifting the tone it means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men Mm -hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you've got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover i mean bud light had been kind of a brand of bratty kind of out of touch humor and it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach Freddie, what? <laughs> no, here's she's talking about inclusive. If we're going to be inclusive, here's something that a bunch of guys sitting around watching March Madness drinking Bud Light. Here's who they don't want to include: Dylan Mulvaney. They don't want to look at him for five seconds, or any man who prances around in a dress and does that. They don't want. I don't. They don't want to include him in anything much less drinking beer with them. So this is a marketing director. 
She wanted to get away with, uh, you know, from that whole guys getting together for a beer thing. We can't have that anymore. So she goes with a mentally ill man in drag. That's her, that's her big marketing move. That took some courage. You've got to give her that. But you know what else you got to give her? The AM 1250, the answer, Jerk of the Week Award. Oh, man. Now, I guess we could have given the award to Jack Teixeira. He's the Air National Guardsman, 21-year-old guy who uh, leaked the classified information on Ukraine that you're hearing about all over the news uh, the last day and a half. But I think that depends on how you look at it. I mean, what are the chances that he did us all a, a favor by exposing all the lies that we may have been told about what's been going on in Ukraine? And by the way, they were bipartisan lies, as everybody knows. So you remember Judge Andrew Napolitano used to be on Fox. I forget why he got kicked off of there, but I always liked him. And uh, he seemed to tell the truth a lot. That's why I liked him, I guess. Now, he has a podcast. And on his uh, show today, his, his uh, podcast today, his guest was Douglas McGregor. He's the retired Army Lieutenant Colonel who you've seen on uh, Tucker Carlson many times if you watch that show. He's been saying from the beginning that the U.S. getting involved in Ukraine was dumb. So listen to this now. It starts with a soundbite from Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. He's being questioned by a member of Congress, I forget who, uh, last month, about how the Ukrainians are doing against the Russians and what to expect in the next few months. I think, you know, we'll see an increase in the fighting in the spring as uh, conditions for maneuver improve. Do you believe there's a real chance for significant Ukrainian advancements between now and the beginning of winter? I believe that there's a chance, and we're doing everything that we can do to uh, ensure that they have their best opportunity to be successful, Senator. Now, the documents hadn't been uh, revealed to the public at the time he said that, but the documents are dated February and early March. It's almost inconceivable he didn't know what was in them. At the time, he was making what, in my view, and I'm happy to hear yours, a representation that is 180 degrees from the documents. Yes, uh, it's, it's unambiguous, Judge. The Secretary of Defense lied. He's not the Lone Ranger. He's got plenty of people working with him and around him who have lied publicly. So is the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I, I suspect that if you go trace it through uh, European command, the Supreme Commander of Europe is probably also signed on for the same lies. We have to understand that this is part of the problem that has evolved or developed for many decades. The senior leadership thinks it has a duty to lie because the political leadership has said it's vital that you do so. No one stands up and says, by the way, it doesn't matter what the Ukrainians do. They have no chance of winning a war with Russia. Everyone with a lick of common sense knew that back in January of last year, for God's sakes. And then on top of that, you have this relentless nonsense coming out that the Russians are incompetent. The Russians are stupid. The Russians are corrupt. The Russians can't do anything. The Russians don't want to fight. The Russians are war criminals. 99% crap. What have we heard about the Ukrainians? They're all supermen. Everyone's a Medal of Honor winner. They're inflicting huge casualties. The opposite was always the truth. Here's what we've heard about the Ukrainians. Here's what we've heard about the Ukrainians this morning. And you're certainly not going to hear it from the Pentagon or the CIA, from our friend Cy Hirsch, that the Ukrainian uh, military, diplomatic and political leadership has skimmed $400 million from the cash that Joe Biden has sent over there. And when the director of the CIA, uh, Director Burns, went over there to talk to President Zelensky, he named by name, he had a list of 35 generals who uh, did the skimming, and President Zelensky's name was on the list as well. President Zelensky proceeded to fire 10 of the generals and do nothing uh, to the others because this type of skimming is well known and well understood. This is taxpayer dollars, or to be precise, money borrowed in the taxpayer's name the congress has authorized the president to send over there which he sent as wire transfers to ukrainian banks and as cash in those huge cargo planes that the air force has yes and and we have covered this many times talking about the corruption the disappearance of equipment 
and hundreds of millions of dollars in cash into all sorts of places. And by the way, inside the Ukrainian army, this reaches all the way down to the level of lieutenant colonel. Mm. You've got people at every level who are pocketing cash, and the soldiers know it. If you go on Telegram and catch the videos posted by Ukrainian soldiers before they're removed, you can hear them talk about it. Ukrainian soldiers know this. Why are we hearing Ukrainian soldiers say the first thing we've got to do is go back and hang Zelensky and his crew? We want to get there before the Russians do. That, that's been coming through off and on for months. They know that they've been betrayed. How about that? Pretty strong stuff, would you say, coming from a former lieutenant colonel um, who spent a lot of time uh, as a an officer in Iraq and has been on the front. You know, he's a he's a he's a warrior. Uh, he's saying that these these guys are are standing in front of cameras and saying they would like to go back and hang Zelensky. Um, and it, I I don't know what's going on over there. Neither do you. But what makes anybody? Why would anybody not believe the stuff that's coming out from the intelligence leak? And why would anybody believe what we're being told by the military and and the government about Ukraine? Um, we, we've had a we've had a uh, a guest uh, on this show who uh, told me that Ukraine was one of the most. He's a guy who um, was a uh, uh, he was a, he was a, he's been fighting human trafficking for years all over Europe, and he said uh, to me, told me six months ago or in the early days of this uh, Ukraine war, maybe longer than that ago. He said it's one of the most corrupt countries in Europe, and he said it's the nexus for human trafficking. We've also heard stories about, um, uh, and speculation at least, about whether there were uh, bioweapon labs over there that might have been funded by Hunter Biden, or, or even uh, uh, there's, there's one, one or two stories out there that Mitt Romney's family had some money in, in that, whatever was going on over there. And so to hear McGregor say that, um, that, that, that there, nobody should be surprised about the money being skimmed, I, why would you be surprised? Um, so who do you believe, uh, McGregor? Or people from both sides in Congress. If you believe McGregor, how can this guy Teixeira not be a hero? Maybe he went about it the wrong way. Maybe he should still go to prison for what he did. But is it possible that he did the the, the world, if not the United States, a favor? Of course, the media are happy to condemn Teixeira now. That's a lot easier than, you know, investigating the information that was leaked and asking the people in charge some tough questions. But that's where we are with this. And I like that. Uh, I like Doug McGregor. Every time I see him, uh, he impresses me. Maybe he's a liar. Maybe everything he's saying is untrue. I would have to ask somebody what would be his motivation to do that. For all the heat he takes for some of the things he says, what would be what's in it for him to do that? Aside from you know getting on Tucker Carlson once in a while and being a guest of Andrew Napolitano on his podcast. I mean, long term, what? How's this a, a good thing for him? Well, anyway, that's uh, the media will be. You can bet that the media will spend more time talking up about uh, how they can dig up dirt on Clarence Thomas than anything we just talked about here. I'll be right back. Eric was way behind on his taxes. I owed a lot of money to the IRS, almost $15,000. I tried to make payments. The IRS wasn't satisfied with Eric's efforts, so they came after him full force. They're coming to put a lien and a hold on all my income, my home, my car. I was just overwhelmed at what to do. Then Eric called Optima Tax Relief. When Optima Tax got involved, the calls would stop, the threats would stop. It was easy like, uh... One, two, three. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and their team of expert tax professionals took care of Eric's problem. I owe 15000 and now my debt is clean. I don't owe anything. Take Eric's advice. If you have a tax problem, you need to call Optima Tax now. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. 
Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get Get your MyPillow 2.0s now. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk, and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major your investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. Spring cleaning is upon us, but there's one meaningful box that you don't throw away when cleaning out your closet. It's the box filled with your family's important videotapes, film reels, and photos. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago to help families organize and update their analog media to digital. Legacy Box is simple and easy. It works and is safe. Over a million families have trusted Legacy Box. And Legacy Box has been featured in Good Housekeeping, The Today Show, and Rachel Ray. Legacy Box is like magic, converting your shoebox of memories to the cloud or thumb drive, ready to watch and share. Declutter your closet by digitizing your media. Become more organized and accomplished, knowing your family's recorded past is safe forever. Take advantage of our spring cleaning sale going on now. It's the easiest task to check off your to-do list. For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. So you know what I was wondering yesterday and uh, still wondering today, I guess. Um, you know the story about uh, that's going on right now with uh, Clarence Thomas and uh, that he's been as guilty of some kind of illegality uh, from taking money, or not money, but trips, favors from a guy, a billionaire named Harlan Crow. And I don't know whether it's true, and I I really don't care that much. I I don't look at what he does from my standpoint that on the court, everything he does, I agree with. So um, I, I don't know if he's crooked. If he is, find out and you know tell him to resign. But as of right now, I'm not buying it. But here's the, here's what I'm noticing. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, uh, Clarence Thomas is black, and uh, he's been around a while now. And this story is if if you go just go. Uh, I don't I don't do Google whenever possible, so I like to promote Duck Duck Go. But if if you go Duck Duck Go and just put uh, Clarence Thomas. Crow, C R O W, which is the last name of you know, Harlan Crow, the guy he's supposed to be uh, getting favors from. You'll have to go through a couple of pages before you find a positive story, any story that defends Clarence Thomas. But you know what you won't find in any of them if you if you uh, look at just the headlines, you won't find anybody claiming that he's a victim of racism. There's no racism. Wait a minute, though. He's black. Isn't that the first? place you go when somebody's accused of something. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Do the names Justin Pearson and Justin uh, Jones mean anything to you? Uh, They they were, they're the guys who were the, um, 
the guys at the uh, Nashville and the Tennessee State House that were expelled for acting like idiots uh, with bullhorns and just doing everything you're not supposed to do as a member of that body, uh, breaking every rule. And so they were bounced out, and they've since been reinstated, as you probably heard. But how long did it take you to hear before um, – how long did it take you to hear someone say that it's racist? Of course, there was a white woman who wasn't expelled who was uh, somewhat involved in the demonstrations too. She claimed she didn't have a, a bullhorn or didn't pound on the table and didn't really disrupt things the way these two guys did. But why is it that – and maybe these guys are, are right when they say they were uh, mistreated. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, within 30 seconds of them being accused, or not, I shouldn't say being accused, 30 seconds of being expelled, you could find 9,000 stories about with the word racist in it, because they're black and they were kicked out. Meanwhile, this guy, Justin Jones, who said he's not a violent guy, there are pictures of him standing on a car during the Black Lives Matter riots in June of 2020. And he's uh, he's uh, giving speeches, and he threw a, a a traffic cone at a car or a truck. This is who's in the state house, claiming that he's just a regular guy and leave him alone. Again, maybe it, none of that matters. Maybe he was mistreated, and and he shouldn't have been expelled. I think he should have been based on what I've seen. But what do I know? But what I'm saying is. This Justin, this uh, Justice Thomas story has been out now for three or four days, I think. And why isn't anybody claiming that he's only being persecuted because he's racist? I mean, because he's black. Because the people who are persecuting him, persecuting him are racist. I don't get it. What's going on with that? Uh, and the, of course, the answer is obvious. I don't even. I don't. You don't have to answer it. I don't even have to ask it. It's because he's a conservative. And if you're a conservative black, it's not possible for you to be the victim of racism. Even though back when he was uh, trying to be confirmed as a Supreme Court justice, he uh, said that he was the victim of a uh, electronic lynching. And that's my that's my phone ringing. But you'll have to excuse me while I hang it up. So anyway, he's, he's, he was saying that he, he raised the race card himself. Uh, and he might have had a really good reason for doing it. I don't know, back uh, 30 years ago, whenever it was, when he was uh, being confirmed, trying to be confirmed. And But here here we are. This guy's being accused of all kinds of things, selling real estate to this guy and, and taking uh, trips with him on his private jet. Well, why, why aren't the people who are accusing him of that being called racist? They're not, and they're not going to be because he's a conservative. So there's a guy named uh, Judge Thomas Hardiman of the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit, which I believe is here in Pittsburgh. He was asked about this, and he said, uh, the thing I thought was weird about uh, the Justice Thomas thing is the scandal, to use your word. There was no intimation at any time ever that his billionaire friend ever had any business before the Supreme Court. So how's he helping his friend? He's not even in a position to help his friend because... His friend had exactly zero cases in the Supreme Court. Judge Hardiman said, uh, that's what he said in response to a question posed by an undergraduate during a Q&A at, uh, I think it was up at Princeton. And he said, here's what Hardiman says, and throwing out the Pittsburgh uh, factor here. He says, you know, I decide cases involving lawyers in Pittsburgh, and I know these lawyers. Some of them are former law partners of mine. I belong to organizations with them. I go to lunch with them. Should I not hear their cases? If you have such suspicion about our integrity, you could really end up in a situation where judges can't even do their jobs because of, because at some point you're attached to everybody. I've had my former law clerk stand up in court and argue cases, and I don't think they've ever won a case. Uh, and it's not because they're not brilliant lawyers. They are, but usually they're defending pro bono immigration cases. And sadly for the immigrants, those cases can be very difficult to win. So he said, if someone wanted to make me look bad and I happened to rule in favor of a client in an immigration case that was argued by my former law clerk, oh, there would be a big expose. Oh, Hardiman chose partiality to his law clerk. He said it's BS. 
And so just wait. This thing isn't over yet. The Thomas story is going to be around. More stuff will come out. Come out. The, the media will be digging and digging. But you will not ever see anybody accused of being a racist for going after Clarence Thomas. I'll be back. SRN News, I'm John Scott. A Massachusetts Air National Guardsman has appeared in court, accused in the leak of highly classified military documents. The Guardsman Jack Teixeira did not enter a plea at today's hearing in Boston and was returned to detention pending his next appearance next week. He's charged with unauthorized removal and retention of classified and national defense information. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the Justice Department is serious about combating the fentanyl crisis. The United States government is using every tool at its disposal to combat the fentanyl epidemic. The PRC government must stop the unchecked flow of fentanyl precursor chemicals that are coming out of China. The Justice Department has charged 28 members of Mexico's Sinaloa cartel in a sprawling fentanyl trafficking investigation. This is SRN News. People ask me sometimes, Lance, I'm worried about my finances and I feel bad because I shouldn't be worried, right? I realize that inflation is going to be eating up money. I've got to do something to get around this crazy stock market and Biden's spending spree. Gold has, since the beginning of time, been the resource that God's people have relied on. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, is what the prophet Haggai said during a time of great shaking. To protect your retirement, I recommend that you diversify your 401k or IRA right out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with Gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. I want you to text the words FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and get a free info kit on Gold IRAs. There's no strings attached to this, so just text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 98. 98, 98, and see what I've discovered here about gold and its ability to stabilize your investment and create a storage of wealth for you in unsteady times. Dr. Sebastian Gorka says it's a witch hunt. 34 felonies stating that a misstatement of a business record to cover another crime is a felony. But they won't tell you what that crime is because there was no crime. President Trump has committed no crime. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The Answer. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. Join Beth Andrews of Networth Advisors for the Networth Financial Hour. Saturdays at 7 a.m., 4 p.m., and 7 p.m., and Sunday mornings at 11. Get the news and information you need to help make your retirement dreams a reality. Don't miss the Networth Financial Hour with Beth Andrews. Saturdays at 7 a.m., 4 p.m., and 7 p.m., and Sunday mornings at 11. Firm offers insurance services. Networth Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. Dennis Prager here, and now is the time to sign up for our trip to Israel this fall. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel this October. Don't miss the Stand with Israel tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. We'll visit amazing places in Israel, sure to profoundly inspire you with every step. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or 855-565-5519. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Clouds breaking for tonight with a shower late, low 57. Clouds tomorrow with a passing shower, the high 76. Saturday night cloudy with a few showers, low 56. Sunshine and some clouds on Sunday. You'll see a thunderstorm late in the afternoon hours with a high 82. Cloudy, breezy, and cooler with a shower on Monday with a high 50. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. 
Well, yesterday we talked about Gen Z and their attitude about government. Apparently socialism is pretty popular on college campuses, and they've been indoctrinated before they go to college, of course. You're seeing a lot of the results of that indoctrination showing up whenever a conservative speaker shows up on a college campus. Ilya Boinovich is a geologist, and, uh, and he teaches at Temple. Here's what he wrote at Campus Reform. Here's the headline at CampusReform.com. I grew up in the Soviet Union. Even those universities valued merit more than some American schools do today. Ilya Boinovich joins us now. Ilya, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be with you, Jim. So how long have you believed this or that? Uh, ever since I've seen uh, sort of merit taking second place to other, I just call it other things. Anything other than merit to me is a little worrying. But the reason for that article is that the two sort of tracks are incompatible, like the, the latest fads of we want socialism in our lifetime and we want things other than merit. If you achieve those two things, you realize that they're incompatible. So I just want, as an educator, I just want some residence time, like we do for doctors. You've read the books. Now it's time for year two or three. Do some practice. If you want to try socialism, go to North Korea, Venezuela, live there for three years, come back, then we can discuss it. That's all. Kind of simple. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that later, about the um, you know kids still travel abroad for a year or so, or semester, whatever, and uh, you know, college kids do that all the time. So, that how badly do you think that college students need a trip to Korea, uh, North Korea, or Venezuela? Well, I think they would want. You know, once they've read the book, wouldn't wouldn't they want to go and and see how things actually work? Yeah. As long as these conditions exist on Earth, I think that's what you'd want to go. We don't have too many programs, though, in North Korea, Venezuela, not to think about it, nor any other colleges. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there are also many of us who've lived under socialism, and we can give free education, exclamation mark, for free. We can tell them more or less what they need to do or don't need to do to get close to socialism. Obviously, it's not going to be exactly the same, but I can tell them five or six things they can start doing today here in the United States that's going to approximate my life in the Soviet Union. They will not like it. Yeah, well, I want to get you, uh, get you to give me a li- the, some of the things on that list in a second, but you uh, spend time on a college campus. You're teaching. You're a professor at Temple. Um, how often do you get in discussions with students and tell them, hey, I grew up under Soviet rule. I grew up in a communist country. Let me give you a little uh, idea of what it's like. Do they, do they dismiss you? Do they listen to you? Uh, a few times that I did it, it was specific to university admissions and grading. So normally, I guess Gen Z or maybe younger generation, people who are freshmen, sophomores now, I can see it in their eyes after a few, few sentences that are about how things work. I could see it in their eyes that they, uh, you know, they're not handling it well. They will not, they will not have done well. You can argue things that differ now, and all I'm saying is that there are still places they can go and uh, check it out. Uh, you know, sort of just do a little bit of practical, as we'd say, after the theoretical, back all the books they've read. Because sometimes on a college campus, it may be outside groups, but you have a little table with five or six books about Marxism and so on, which is fine. You can certainly read it, but I usually want to discuss, you know, any experience that anybody of them had, and obviously none did. So. Zero, yeah. Well, do you get the feeling that they have that attitude when they arrive on campus, or do they develop it? because of the peer pressure or just being indoctrinated or whatever whatever it is that happens on a college campus that creates this? Yeah, I guess it depends on the school that they come from. Like the high school they come from, something yeah. may happen only in college, something may happen earlier in high school, and then they come to college and they sort of gets reinforced. And again, it depends what college they go into. But obviously, if you if you you can go from high school to college and you just get reinforced some of the ideas you had, some of them haven't even read any any books. They just sort of think that it's cool and new and it's different, and you know, all they all want to save the world. So I usually say, you know, make sure you make your room, make your bed, get your <laughs> own life in order. Then we can start talking about your neighborhood, your your city, your state, the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be a good place to start in the room. Um, so, what are some of the things you mentioned there that you could tell them or show them from your experience? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, in college. It was academic. I just basically told them how 
acceptance in universities worked, and then I tell them how grading worked. At least in my college, nearly all exams were in oral format. So there wasn't like a piece of paper. You just sit down in front of the teacher, and you dis- the exam is you just discuss, discuss, you answer questions in that format. So, uh, you know, so it's kind of challenging. Mm-hmm. We've had it for graduate students until recently, and we've abandoned that even for graduate students. Obviously, you can do it for large classes, but at least that's how things, that's how things worked uh, like just over 30 years ago, sort of the latter years of the Soviet Union. And, and admissions were, you know, besides corruption and nepotism, whatever half of the students that were admitted, it was all based on merit. There was no other way. You just had to get a certain placement score. And if you got it, you're in. If you don't, you have to wait till next year. If you do not pass a single test, even pass fail, any other semester, you're dismissed from the university. So that, that's what I usually tell college students because they can sort of relate, they compare their experience with what I'm telling them. Because telling them about actual life and standing in line you know, for groceries, they won't be able to relate, I guess. Yeah, and and um, I mean, I I went to a Catholic high school here in Pittsburgh, and you didn't get in. You had to have certain grades or certain uh, test scores to get in there, and that was a long time ago. And uh, and everybody understood it. Well, okay, you didn't get in. Try next year. You're not. You, you didn't score high enough. Your 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 grades weren't good enough in in grade school. And uh, I, I just to 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 eliminate the the um, the SAT and the ACC, which is what so many colleges are doing, what are they basing the admission on? And, and, and how, are they, how are they explaining to people who don't get in, why didn't you get in? It used to be you didn't get in because you didn't score high enough. What is it now? Uh, I, I can uh, speculate, but it's what I call other than merit. There's something else that basically is a deciding factor of who gets in and who doesn't. And, you know, if it's a social experiment, that's one thing. If it's something you discuss in a social science department, that's one thing. But if you accept people, you know, not based on merit, and eventually bridges start falling, people cutting off the wrong arm, or you don't have a <laughs> rocket that flies right. That's why even in these countries like China, Russia, at some point it was based on merit, even though it was supposedly all oh, equality and equity, because the state had to, still needed to make rockets and weapons, or they needed to make rockets for peaceful reasons. People still needed merit, so you know things don't fall apart. So it's just a natural human condition. And as an educator, I just don't see how you can base uh, your uh, advancement on admission on anything other than merit. That's my simple message. Is there something um, strange and... Uh kind of uh, scary about the fact that we're even having this discussion that you would need to explain merit to somebody? That is the reason for my article, John. Actually, that's one of the like underlying reasons is that the fact that we even have to discuss it, it's kind of unsettling. But again, as an educator, I'm trying to, trying to sort of give, give them an idea of uh, the place that they're heading. It's like, I've been there. You know, it's like New Yorker telling a Floridian, maybe we should try state taxes. And a Floridian would say, uh, or maybe a Floridian, rather, would tell a New Yorker, how about state tax? And New York said, not a good idea. That's why I came to Florida. I escaped that to come to Florida. Don't do it here. So it's sort of the same, same idea. The thing is, though, they think they're going to do it the right way, having read the book. Everybody else before them has done it incorrectly for more than 100 years. And for some reason, they think, that they're going to do it the right way because, you know, it looks good, right? You have everything to everybody based on their need, and it works for kids in the, you know, in the family. When kids are little, you get from them based on their abilities, which is very little, and then you give to them based on their needs. So you feed them and so on. So that works with, you know, with parents and kids. That's about it. It's, it's not going to work in a society full of adults. We're talking to Ilya Boinovich. He's a uh, professor, uh, geology professor at Temple, and he wrote a piece for CampusReform.com. You can check it out there. The headline is, I grew up in the Soviet Union. Even those, even those universities valued merit more than some American schools do today. That's why I'm having trouble grasping this as a guy who went to college a million years ago. When you were coming out of high school, you were well aware of what your, uh, your scores were on the SAT, 
and you knew which schools that you should even waste your time applying to and which ones you shouldn't. Um, and so you, everybody was, it was already pretty well separated before you even got to campus or even, you know, even attempted to get into the school. There were certain kids who were going to attempt to get into Harvard and others were going to be uh, trying to get into a community college. And everybody knew why. So I guess I'm, this gets me back to the same question. What if, if you're a junior in high school right now? What are you shooting for? What what? How do you know which college to apply to if it's if your if your um, acceptance isn't going to be based on what you did in high school? Well, that's the conundrum because if if there is another other than merit criterion, then maybe you don't even have to try the last two years of high school. You're still going to get into Harvard and another person knowing that even with all the merit-based admissions, with the straight A's that they have, they're not going to get into school that they want, you know, why would they even try? And that's what happened in the Soviet Union. People who are smart uh, and ambitious, they weren't trying their best because they knew at the end everybody like, had to be the same, right? So what's the point of achieving a working 80 hours a week when you're still getting paid for 40? And that's exactly not only what will happen, but it's sort of what's, happening now but then then the students will eventually start uh, going after admissions if they don't succeed in college because they weren't accepted based on merit now they, they can't get through college then they're blaming admissions for accepting them knowing ahead of time they're not going to succeed and it's already happening so you see where we are at this point the students who are accepted on the lower uh you know with lower grades for whatever other reason have not made it through college, and after second year, they have to leave the college, and they're now blaming admissions, saying, saying that, uh, you know, they admitted them knowing ahead of time they're going to fail. So that is just sad for the kids, basically. So I, yeah. you know, I don't even know how we fix it. We should go back to the sort of traditional way of doing things. Things are different in Europe as well, so it's more of a generational thing. But my point is the college students today and some faculty want to go to the place and to another place and another time, so the time in the past, well, 30, 40 years ago. So I just think they should consult us who've lived through it, that's all. Right, yeah. And I, it, it uh, reminds me of the old uh, Groucho Marx line. I don't know if you know who Groucho Marx was, back in the uh, comedian back in the 50s. He said, any club that would have me as a member, I don't want to join. <laughs> There so, we go. There we go. That's the friendly Marx. That's at least the Marx that was employed, right? Because yeah. a lot of them don't know that Karl Marx was unemployed all yeah. his life. Yeah, this is Groucho. He was employed a lot, mm -hmm. made a lot mm -hmm. of money. Mm -hmm. um, so, but you mentioned the faculty. The, the students are getting their uh, pre-indoctrinated in many cases, and then, I guess, becoming indoctrinated. It doesn't take too long to make that happen once they've gotten there. What about what's the level of uh, indoctrination that's coming from the faculty, and how are they that dumb if they don't if it's not if they don't grasp what seems to be a pretty simple thing that you're trying to tell me and I'll tell our audience right now? Uh, because they haven't experienced it. That's simple. They have read it. It sounds good, but they haven't lived through it. So they they just tell the cool story. And, you know, students like it, obviously, because in their stage of their life, you know, when you're young and you just yeah. sort of want to change the world and everything sounds good, uh, you can get whatever you want, you know, by, by uh, maybe not even working because that's your right and all that. But, it, you know, it's got to come from somewhere. There's no such thing as free lunch. And by the way, if you don't work, you don't eat. That was also one of the things. And so, you know, so there'll be no unemployment and no welfare, just so those people know. If they catch you out of work and you don't have a vacation slip, you go to a hard labor camp. <laughs> and that was, that was not during the times of, uh, you know, gulags. And so I grew up, it was, you know, the repressions were down. It wasn't that bad, I suppose, like the 30s or the 50s. Mm -hmm. But still, you, the, there was no such thing as an unemployment or welfare. They would find some job for you, whatever it is, but you had to, you had to work your 40 hours there. But everybody was pretty much... Equally the same, equally poor. There was one hundredth of a percent incredibly rich and powerful, which is why you understand why people at the top want to, you know, like Bernie Sanders wants socialism, because if he's at the top, he'd be the most powerful person. He'd have more power than he would have as a senator. But the rest of the people would be equally poor. Mm -hmm. So some people say, I don't care uh, if we're all equally poor, just so as, lo so as long as there are no rich people, I'm okay with that. And that's that's what we have to deal with. That's the People. old 
you know, it's, it's strange, but that's what they say. And that's the old, I got everything I need here, you guys share everything else. I got what I need, now just be nice and share. That that's pretty much describes what socialism is, correct? Somebody like Bernie Sanders who has three houses and he wants everybody to share and he, doesn't, he, want, he wants to decide um, what someone, a CEO's salary should be, those kinds of things. Um, I, I have to ask you because uh, you, you, you described the, the faculty. Again, it's been a long time since I was on a college campus as a student. But these are supposed to be institutions of higher learning. I, I just don't understand how people that stupid are put in charge of teaching other people. If they're that ignorant of the world, what happened that they are being paid really good money and people are paying thousands and thousands of dollars to have their kids taught by idiots? Well, they may be really good in their field, yeah. but I would say if you're a physicist, you have to teach physics. Right. You can just teach physics and then between sentences all of a sudden make a political right. statement. If you're teaching po- political science class, you should present two sides of the story, do a little practicals, that's fine. But my biggest point is, my being a natural scientist, uh, nowadays even like scientists, chemists, biologists, physicists, geologists, they're somehow getting politics somehow nestled there in their uh, discourse. And that, to me, that's troubling. Because again, these should be, there are certain things that don't depend on feelings, like the physical laws and so on. So if we want to if we want to advance and we want to compete in this world, let's let's do it. But but I guess I guess they they feel like they want to be a little bit of a social scientist. So rather than being a citizen at home and a scientist and an educator and the university, they sort of mix the two and they become activists while teaching. And that's sort of I think that's the unfortunate part. I think that goes right to your question. They may have all those thoughts and it's fine at home, but once they bring it to campus, and because they're in the position of authority, all of a sudden the physics professor is going to teach my kids uh, the worldview. No, I want them to teach physics. I don't want them to teach the worldview. That's what I am for, a parent. Well, it just took me 30 seconds while you were explaining that uh, to find this online. This is from CNN Business. Math is racist. How data is driving inequality. That's that's the headline. I don't know. Uh, it's... Uh, who wrote it doesn't matter. You can find a thousand stories with that headline or with that with that uh, theme that math is racist, and um, it's, it's it's exactly what you were just talking about. Yeah, I have to plead the fifth in this. I don't even understand. Like, if you were to discuss this with me, I don't even know where to start a discussion on this. Yeah, well, it's out there. Just you can just check it out. Math is racist. It's happening everywhere. Uh, so uh, we're, we're finishing up here with Ilya uh, Boynevich. Thanks for coming on. Um, I just hope uh, maybe this can be fixed, and maybe we'll have you on again. But we can find your stuff at campusreform.com, Correct. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now.
now. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, let's finish with, uh, I don't know, Budweiser stupidity. This is the CEO. We, we, we had the uh, marketing director as the winner of our Jerk of the Week. This is the CEO. Uh, of a, he says, I'm the CEO of a company founded in America's heartland more than 165 years ago. I am responsible for ensuring every consumer feels proud of the beer we brew. Have you ever felt proud of a beer? Give me a beer, and then you, you, you get it and you hold it in your hand. I'm so proud of this Iron City or this Budweiser. <laughs> this, I don't drink beer, so I don't care. I'm not proud of any of it, and I don't, I'm not proud of you no matter what beer you drink. But we're honored to be part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people, and our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. We have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and a proud history supporting our communities, military, first responders, sports fans, and hardworking Americans everywhere. We never intended to be a part of a discussion that divides people. We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. I care deeply about this country. This uh, this co- this country, this company, our brands, and our partners. I spend much of my time traveling across America, listening to and learning from our customers, distributors, and others. Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to consumers across our nation. Signed, Brendan Whitworth, CEO, Anheuser-Busch. You know what, Brendan? Nobody believes you for a second. Anybody who would employ that person as a marketing director and not fire her 20 seconds after that video appeared is an idiot. I'll talk to you on Monday. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van.